0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: It says, And the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. Now, I might want to add something to you. He didn't do a sign and wonder. He just said something, and the man believed him. This, Nicodem- this um, royal ruler did not see any sparks fly. He just, Jesus said it, and I will do it. Okay, go back to the passage. When I talked about needing this, some of us, when we go through a, a crisis... It's almost like um, we're, we're demanding of the Lord. Lord, you've got to do this. It's almost that like name it and claim it. Have you heard some people that get so demanding with the Lord because they say, I'm a child of the king and he's my dad and he wants me to be strong and bold when I come to him, boldly to the throne of grace. Yeah, he wants us to come confidently because he said he will do what he says he will do. But he doesn't want us to come cocky to the throne of grace. And I believe this man was now moving where he's more needing. Lord, and he's humble, sir, sir. Now, here's a royal person, a nobleman, and he says to Jesus, who's just a a mere guy who did miracles that he heard about, and he says, Sir, would you come down now? Sir, there's a bit of humility in this thing. Now, I'm going to speak to you mature Christians. Wouldn't it be nice for us to be in a point in our life that we say, Lord, I love you so much, whatever you want to do with my life, whatever crisis, it is okay, that's fine. I think maybe the Lord would like that. But I think that's where we need to go and get there. And so we need to move from demanding to depending to finally desiring His will even if He takes the life of my child. Now, I'm going to put it in the context. Now, how can we come to that point? Is when we realize that that child was really in the mind of God before that child was in the mother's womb. And that that child has been divinely designed by God and as a human being creation, God can do anything He wants to that child. And God will be responsible for that child. I hope we're all growing to get there. Now that's with a child. Some of you could be with a loss of a job to a diagnosis of cancer. Thy will be done instead of just demanding God. He's got to do this. I'm his kid. All right, so needing. We come to this, I really need the Lord, but I need to know who he is. All right, let's go to stage four. That's called the acting part. Now this is interesting too, When I go to this part because I think that the, the, the difference between... The crisis and the really, I'm needing you, Lord, it's all about you, is when I begin to act. Look, if you will, as it says here Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. I love that. He believed what Jesus said and he started off and he acted upon it. Now, it goes back to my definition of saving faith. Saving faith is you got to hear the truth. You heard it, you got to believe the truth. That's great. But now you've got to act upon it. And the act upon it is not filled up with, I've got to be baptized, join this church, stop this, start that, do all of this thing. No, no. The acting upon it is where in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I'm changing my thinking and I'm choosing to place my faith in the Lord. That's obeying the gospel. The gospel says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I'm now choosing to believe. I'm obeying what he says to believe in him and I'll have everlasting life. And so there is that act. In this case... He proved his belief by now going to his son after he heard that his son lives. It's interesting, though. He said, my son was sick. He could have said, I know he lives, Jesus. I I want to know, is he ever going to die? And all Jesus said, he's going to live. That little bit of act of faith, he acted upon it. Jesus healed him, really, before he even left. Would you write that in your margin? Jesus healed him before the man ever left. So I love that dynamic of how gracious God is, even sometimes when we're so weak. I think the Lord knew he was going to act upon it. Let's go to stage five. This is the knowing part. You can see it building, can't you? I have to see the signs and miracles, and then it comes through all of this, the crisis, and then the needing, then I'm acting. Now I'm really knowing this is happening. How did he know it? There was a witness. It says, as he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living, underline the continuous, he is living, So he inquired of them, what hour did this all happen? How did he get better? Then they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. I could almost hear him say, Shazam, you know, the Lord is right. This really happened right here. Kind of like, wow, this is really true. Now watch this, folks. It is so neat for us to be able to take God at His word. He says He's going to do something, but we haven't yet seen the results, but we believe Him so much for it. Let me give you another illustration that's from Scripture. I'll clear it up at the end. Some of you might be saying, I'm having so much financial issues right now, and I don't know what to do about it, so Lord, help me. What should I do with my financial problems that I have? And the Lord says... What you need to do is to give a portion, a sacrificial, generous, cheerful, consistent portion of what you get to me first before you do others. Take care of me first. And then he says, you'll see what happens after that. Now, some of you are thinking, did he put this in here because the church needs money? No. Our people are learning this. This is for the new folks. God's taking care of us. It's not a health and wealth message here at all. Believe me. Please believe me. But I wanted you to show that truth. There are those that finally say, okay, I don't understand this. I need to take care of this over here. But, but Jesus says I should give the first fruits and I should give generously and sacrificially. Notice I didn't say 10% because it's not that in the New Testament. So just give sacrificially, generously, cheerfully, consistently for his glory. You do that first and God will take care of you. Now watch, watch. Do you know what stops that little mechanism formula? Is when you give in order to get. See, all of a sudden now, you did it as an investment plan because it's all about you getting more money back. And it's not that. God says, I'll do all of this, but the heart has got to be right. Now, that's what he was doing here. So what did he do? He went, as he's going, the guys say, your son's alive. And this guy's saying, he's alive, he's alive. When does all happen, he's alive. All right, now I'm saying, do this in just in your giving area. And you might not believe it yet. Give God a month and it'll happen to you. Maybe longer. But it'll happen. All right, I've got to talk a little bit more about the knowing part. And I still have a couple minutes. I want to talk about the brief theology of healing. Get out your notes for a second. We're going to talk a lot about more people getting healed as we go further through the gospel. But you need to know a little bit about it. So I put it in a question and answer fashion. Did Jesus heal everyone that needed healing? The answer is what, everyone? No. If he did, then why didn't he just stand there and say, Be ye healed, world! He didn't do that. He didn't heal everybody. I have to believe that there were other people who were sick in Cana, Capernaum, Jerusalem, other places, because sickness is all over the world as a result of the fall. But he didn't do that. So he doesn't heal everybody needing healing. Question number two, did Jesus heal everyone who asked? Now, that's a difficult question, but it's very simple to answer. Did Jesus heal everybody who asked him? The answer is yes. Everybody in Scripture that requested healing he healed them. Now, He healed them different ways. Sometimes He spoke. Sometimes He was there. Sometimes He touched them. doesn't really matter. Everyone who asked, He did heal. Now, a lot of people stop there and say, therefore, He has to heal everybody today. That's not the case. He has to heal everybody who asks Him today. That's not the case. In Scripture, He did that. There was a purpose for that. We didn't have all of Scripture to confirm who He was. Next question. Does Jesus heal everyone who asks today? I think a better way to ask that is, is it God's will that He heals. Well, here's the best way to answer it. Now watch it. I'm going to parse my question very carefully, my answer very carefully. Every believer in Jesus Christ who has any illness of any kind, he will definitely heal. Now some of you are going, really? Yes. But the real issue is, it's up to him to decide when and how. Put that in your notes. When and how is up to the Lord. Most people will take you back to Isaiah that talks about that, that healing and all that is in the atonement. And the answer is, it sure is in the atonement. But it didn't answer when and how. Are there people today that God can miraculously heal? The answer is yes. We will call that divine healing. Divine because God divinely, sovereignly chose people to heal in this life. How did he do it? It could have been done through three things. Man, medicine, or miracle He still is in charge of everything because He is sovereign. If you agree with that, say amen. Okay, Say amen. 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 Okay. Now, the other part of it is you're saying, what about all those that He didn't heal that are Christians today? Because it's a believer now. Not not everybody, but believers. Because it's in the atonement. That happens. Some will get healed in this world. All of us will be healed when we die. Because when we die, we will get a brand new body That'll know no more sorrow, sickness, disease. And you say, oh, Stan, you are cheating on this whole thing. No, actually, if you really think with me, the Lord is smarter than all of us on this healing thing. Because who wants to get healed? Okay, we we get cancer and it's a miraculous healing. We're healed. But 20 years later, we still get sick because we're old and our body is deteriorating. We still get sick and die. You follow me what I'm saying? We're all going to go through that stuff, all right? So, yes, some will get healed, but it'll only be temporary anyway because something's going to get us, all right? And then at the end, if you know Christ as Savior, all of that will be later on. Now, I'm going to say something that only perhaps some of you are, are, are going are gonna to get. But I'm hoping we all will get this. My personal opinion about faith in this is while it's not how much faith I have to get this problem resolved, this crisis uh, eliminated, or my body healed, it's not how much faith I have. And even if I cry all the right things, here it is. It's not the faith to remove my crisis that's so great. It's the faith that during my crisis I can praise and worship the Lord who is in control of everything I can control and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm thinking that takes greater faith and that's the faith that God wants us to have. If you will, I gave you a verse here from another translation where Paul himself was afflicted so much. Some of it think this refers to a health issue and it could. And here's what he says. Follow it along. It says this, Paul speaking. I beg the Lord three times to take this problem away from me. It's almost like that royal nobleman that went to Jesus. I'm going, please, please, entreating. But the Lord said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So then Paul responds, so I'm very happy to brag about my weaknesses. In this case, it could be sicknesses or whatever else you're going through. Then Christ's power can live in me. That's the humility when I can say, all praise and glory be to the Lord. Have any of you been following the story of the lady that's in Atlanta who went on a zip line and gashed her leg and got the infection and began to eat her body so badly that they removed her hands, feet? A beautiful, beautiful picture of this girl and how cheerful she's been. She had a couple of down days, which I'm kind of glad only to let us know that she's human and she's not denying all this. But most of her time, here's what she says. What's getting me through this are two things, my my prayer and my faith. Now, God might provide for her some prosthesis for her hands and feet and all of that, but he's not going to grow new hands, new fingers. She will never know the touch of the little pudgy face of her baby when she gets married and has a family. She will never be able to do that. But her strength is not her wholeness. Her strength is in her faith in God and to be able to see her through that. Which brings us to stage six, which is the believing faith. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed. Would you circle that? He himself believed. It was like he knew this over here, but now he really believes over here. So the stages are building from having to see the signs, which are kind of a a baby way to look at it. And, And Jesus did do that, so we don't want to put that down. We're grateful for any signs he might do. But at the same time, he's building us towards the point of seeing all of this, and he really believes. I think that's the time that some of you um, might come to the realization that it's really by faith alone. I, I don't like to use myself in illustration as much, but today it's just I've got to share this one. Carol led me to Christ when I was eight, 16 after a youth meeting. We weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. I was just a lost kid. She was faithful to the gospel. She gave me the gospel. I trusted Christ. I remember that night when I trusted the Lord. The next week I went, and at the end of the service they said, any of you that are trusting Christ as your personal Savior... And you'd like for me to pray for you, the the preacher guy was saying. Just slip up your hand. So right next to Carol, I raised my hand. Okay. The next week, he said, if there's any here today trusting Christ, would you ra-? raise your hand? Between the Thursday and weeks later, every time I was at a meeting, I kept, I'm trusting Christ. I'm trusting Christ. What Carol didn't know during that time is every night as I'd go to bed, i I got a Bible she had given to me, and I'd say to the Lord, I'd say, Lord, in case I really didn't believe last night, I'm really believing in you. I'm really right now believing in you. Next night, Lord, just in case, I'm really believing in you tonight. How many of you have ever done that? Would you raise your hand? Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay, I thought I was the only one. And then my sweet wife, she said, what are you raising your hand for? Do you think you have to get saved over and over again? No, I don't think that, honey. I, I, I think, I just want to make sure I really believe, you know? And she said, you know, Jesus says, if you really believed, you are sealed with his Holy Spirit. And he said, you are kept by his grace, and you have eternal life, and so never worry about losing it. You can't lose it, because you didn't do anything to get it, you know? So I thought, ooh, that is really good. So from then on, through God's word and Carol's wonderful, loving counsel, calling me a dummy in a nice way. No, no, she said, it's just by believing. And no, go back to the last part of the verse. It says, and he himself believed, and his whole household believed. Now, when I read that, that is huge to me. And I can end on this. This is so cool. This is so cool. This is a Father's Day sermon, by the way. I just gave it to you a week early so I can give you two Father's Day messages. Notice this nobleman right here. He could have sent somebody else down there with more power, more muscle to drag Jesus back to his kid. He didn't do that. He could have said, Honey, when you take care of the boy, I got too much stuff to do at work right now. You go to... You, you do it. He's just a little boy. If he was older, I'd be involved in this, but you take care of him. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send another family. He went himself. Now, there's a sermon right there, guys. Let the Spirit speak to all of us. Head of household, spiritual leader. I think something else he did, and he didn't know he did it. He was setting an example to the rest of the people that were watching him other than family that family does come first when there's a crisis. We circle the wagons around the family when there's somebody there. I may growl at the family, but nobody else will. I'm going to take care of them. There's something else that goes on. How do you think the household believed? I don't read anywhere in Scripture where the nobleman took his household with him to Cana I believe what he did is he heard Jesus and he, him by himself, was heading back. His slaves met him. He's telling the story. Household doesn't necessarily mean just brothers and sisters. It means household. So he's telling them they're going back home. So all of a sudden, he did what all Christians could and should do. And that is once you know Christ is your Savior by faith alone, once you've experienced the greatest miracle of all, is the born-again experience of being saved, what do you do? You've got to go tell somebody. He probably was very convincing because it said his whole household believed. His whole household believed. So I just come back to you and say, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, this is only a a question. It's not meant to put you on a guilt trip. It's not. But when you go through your little catalog or directory at your house of all your family members on or off island, do you know that they have all clearly, correctly, compassionately have heard the simple plan of salvation yet. Are you absolutely sure? And don't think, well, they went to so-and-so church, maybe so-and-so told them, if you know that going to heaven is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, then why don't you be like this guy right here and go to your household and make sure that before you are unable to reach them or before they expire, that they would hear the same message. Well, verse 54, it says, this is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Well, I'm wondering if that event that occurred, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the miracle worker, about healing of a physical body and now of a spiritual body, would reach and touch you. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This man heard about the power of Jesus and then he believed the promise of Jesus, your son lives. And he ended with believing in the person of Jesus. This is the Jesus Christ that we worship, we adore, to whom we confess our sin, the one we obey, and hopefully the one to the world we communicate that precious message of his death and resurrection and salvation by faith alone. My friend, we have two illnesses. One is we're already dead, and so that sickness is spiritual sickness to death and we're dead in our trespasses and sins and God says I want to resurrect you I want to, I want to make you alive I want to say so you live eternally and so what you have to do is to recognize that this Jesus that's doing this story is the same Jesus that in time is marching to Jerusalem and then he will be dragged away to a horrible trial for everything he didn't do wrong because he did nothing wrong he will be whipped, brutalized, humiliated, nailed to a cross, pulled upright, and left in that cross so he would experience excruciating pain until the soldiers would break his legs until he died. And Jesus says, no, I'll do all of that, but you won't break my bones because I'm going to will myself to death so I can fulfill a prophecy that said not a bone of my body would ever be broken. And he did all of that for you. And he says, I've done that so I can heal you spiritually forever. I'm going to make you alive. You will be born again like Nicodemus, like this mixed breed, low repute woman, and like this highfalutin political figure. And he says, but all of them did one thing. They came to me. Some on their own, some accidentally. They all came to me and they heard the message that I am. So my friend right now, would you simply humble yourself? Even like this nobleman did, sir, can you say, Lord, I have this problem. I'm a sinner. I'm afraid of death. I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. But Jesus, I know you're the Lord and you did all of this on the cross and I'm coming to you without any good deeds. I I can't heal myself. I can't make myself a Christian. I can't do anything to get rid of my, my sins. I'm coming to you lost. But you said you'd forgive me and you'd give me a new life and a relationship with you and a home in heaven. And so, Lord, I need you right now. You've done your sign and wonder on the cross. I'm needy. I know you did this now. And I'm trusting you as my only hope to heaven. So wherever you are in this auditorium, is there anyone in here that would be crying unto the Lord in your own voice, saying, Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best I know how, I'm trusting Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. If you drink of this water, you'll never drink again. You'll never be thirsty again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you. Now, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just like I did that night, I trusted Christ. But let me make this perfectly clear. Raising your hand will not get you a home in heaven. Me praying for you adds no value to you becoming a Christian. In fact, when you called upon the Lord in your heart right where you're seated, you were a Christian right then. You became a Christian then. Now you're just kind of letting me know with an uplifted hand. It's kind of like, who's the first person you're telling is going to be me? And the Lord already knows it. And when I pray for you, I'm not going to have you come forward. This is a personal thing. But if you'd like for me to pray for you, this is special to you. Would you slip up your hand right now? I'd like to pray for you anonymously. Is there anyone that today you're calling upon the Lord to be your Savior? Anyone at all? All right. Well, those of you that like to speak to me, I'd be glad to speak with you afterwards. If you're a lady, my sweet wife would be glad to chat with you. She communicated the message to me in love, and she'll do that with you. I want to talk about the second of you and that would be those of you that are physically hurting right now. It may be some illness in your life. This message was not meant for you not to go to the Lord when you're ill, even to the point of death. In fact, Jesus is referred to by name as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals in the Old Testament. So he is truly the healer and he does desire to heal people and he has. And yes, he's done it through men or women, you know, people. He's done it through medicine and technology and and that whole realm. And he's done it through a miracle where none of that's happened, just boom, there was a healing. And you know people and I know people. That's happened. We thank him for that. But at the same time, we want to have the faith that says, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if this is not your will for me, me to be healed while I'm here on earth this time, I want to thank you for healing me when I spend eternity with you. And that's a promise you can go to the bank with. You will not spend eternity as a Christian with your disease. You will be healed. Is there anyone here that would like to have prayer because you're going through some deep water? Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. And, and you just like to slip up your hand. And I'm not going to describe you in my prayer, but I just want to know, is there anyone going through some deep water right now? I'm not Jesus, but as your pastor and friend, I'd like to come alongside you in my quick little prayer and bring you to the one who loves you unconditionally would you slip up your hand is there anyone going through some tough times right now amen Amen. our gracious heavenly father as we come together here we thank you that you are the great physician you are the lord that you are our savior and that we can have eternal life by faith alone i thank you that you don't have to travel to us that you're everywhere present that you never leave us nor forsake us so we can boldly say that you're our helper i lift up all of those who publicly or those who even privately could not communicate their struggles and challenges that together father we would walk the road of growing through the stages of faith we'll be thankful for every sign and wonder that we have seen in scripture and perhaps those that might have been given to us even in this world but lord we don't want to use that as our primary boost we want to just say at your word lord we believed and so father that's where we want to be and that's where we are we love you lord in jesus name amen
0: or you can mail your gift to make it clear PO box 607901 Orlando Florida 32860 Thank you for helping us make it clear If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event please send us an email at tell me more at makeitclear.org Thank you and remember to make it clear